0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio. A downloadable cars and coffee hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike.
1: All right, welcome to Spike's Car Radio. Today, a bullseye guest for you folks. We have if not the king of all media, that's Howard Stern. We have the king of West Coast, maybe the Valley media. What would you say, Mr. Adam Carolla? I just Carolla? go with the queen. I mean, the
0: king <laughs> role has been filled, but the queen vacancy is open. You're the
1: queen of all media. You really do do it all. Every every time I look up, you're doing something new. You've got you've got your own booze that you sell. Yum. You've got this podcasting empire. You're uh, you're out racing 935s in Monterey. Which, yeah. By the way, I want to I want to catch up with you because I think the last time we were together, you were buying that Porsche 935 and then you now we're a few weeks out here from Monterey. Did you race? Yes. And and what was it like in that car?
0: It was good. Uh, I, I liked it. Um, I think we saw each other in between purchasing the car and driving the car,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: you, you had it up at Bruce Canepa and he was getting it ready. He was getting it ready and he took it up to Sonoma and I met him there and I drove it for a few laps at Sonoma, which I, I never really liked Sonoma cause I just found it too technical for me, but I kind of got the hang of it a little bit, and I got a few laps in, and and, in some comfort level in the car, and uh, so then we went down to Monterey to do the, to Laguna Seca to do the Rolex Historics. And I was feeling sort of semi-confident about the car, but then I – so, you know, well, I have these absolute it, for, well, it flows. You know,
1: no one's driven a 935 that I know. What is, what's it like? It's, got, it's a four-speed transmission, right? Yep. There's turbo lag, and then there's a bit of fire that comes out the pipes. It's, yep. And this, this car was the, uh, the answer to the RSR correct? It After the uh, Porsche was racing RSRs,
0: they I, made this car? I think it went, R, I think it went RSR uh, 934 934 and a half and then 935 is okay. sort of how, how it went. But yeah, it essentially just came after so, the w- RSR. So when
1: you get on this thing... You know, the only thing that I've driven that kind of frightened me that sounds like this car was a GT2, a 996 GT2, where I was at, mm-hmm. at Willow on the back straight doing about 60 or 70 and got on it, and then the rear end came out right. out of nowhere. Is, is this a car that's easy to control, or or do you have to respect it? Um,
0: I I found it pretty drivable. Um, <laughs> the, I had a lot of people sort of filling my head with these things. Like, I, I was talking to Leno before, and he did the... Uh, he did the thing that many people do, and especially car guys. And it's a car guy thing where they go, You ever drive a nine thirty five before? <laughs> yeah. My dad had three and I had one. Well, there's one we one I used to drive to high school. Mm-hmm. I mean that thing, but that was down on boost. Mm-hmm. We only ran like one point one bar, but no, I haven't driven a nine thirty who's driven a nine thirty five before? Right. Right. So like, tell us, what is it like? What what is that experience? We want to know. Um so my experience of the nine thirty five, it's got it's got big big tires, it's so a lots of lots of slicks on it, but I'm used to that with my Nissan cars. It's got uh, mine was dynoed at about and uh, it was like five eighty to the rear wheel, so it's probably making about six. Seventy-five or something—I wow. can't remember. You deduct like thirteen percent or whatever mm-hmm. it is what, from the crank uh, to the flywheel to the rear wheel. Um, it has a—it has a boost gauge. It has a boost knob that you—the good guys will play around with, and the other guys <laughs> will just sort of leave <laughs> at one point three bars, what the factory says. At like I don't know, like twenty pounds of boost or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, it's got a four-speed, so everything's pretty long. Like, the first gear is very long, you know. It's like you can go, I don't know, 70 in first wow. gear. And and um, at, at, at Laguna Seca, you should probably get it into first gear on turn 11 coming into the straightaway. You should probably get it down into first gear. Um, I was just sort of instructed. I asked Bruce Kenapa, am I getting into first gear on that turn? And he (laughs) went, you're not. (laughs) I now realize what he was saying. I was like, I'm saying, like, do you get into first gear in that turn? And he was like, no, no, just second gear. But I was like, I was doing the math, and he was telling me his first gear is good for about 70 miles an hour, and you do that turn at 30 miles an hour. So it's like, why wouldn't you get into first gear? And he said, no, no, second gear's fine. I was like, all right, well, if he says so. And then later on, I did talk to some 935 guys, and they're like, oh, yeah, no, first gear all the way. So I think Bruce was kind of trying to put some training wheels on it for me. So when, you get out, when you're on the track and you're racing,
1: explain to me, because I, I really don't know what this is. Is this just a bunch of other guys with period race cars that are doing parade laps? <clears throat> Excuse me. Or are you
0: actually competing? Oh, yeah, I'm competing. Everyone's competing. And, and how did you do? I did 16 out of 50, which is okay. That's a lot of cars on the track. There's a lot of cars on the track. Uh, And what are the other cars? uh, Lots of RSRs, uh, uh, probably four or five other 935s. Mm -hmm. um, Lots of 934s, 934 and a halfs, like all the different kind of configurations Uh of Porsches. And how
1: many laps are you doing out there?
0: Uh, or is it a time the race break? is 20 minutes. you usually get like 11 laps in or something like that. There's some big corvettes, there's some uh, BMW M1 pro cars. there's some 3.5 CSL Batmobile BMWs and then there's these uh, things called Decon Monzas which are like Chevy Monzas, but they're all like fiberglass and have this big injection and mm-hmm. the engines like push back and, and, and what kind of monster cars. What do you get
1: it when you win? I, I, do you get? Is it a trophy or is it just bragging rights?
0: Is it money? Uh women mainly <laughs> coke, coke and women. Sometimes some cash will be sprinkled in there just to snort up the coke. Oh, mainly, wow. that's um, tremendous. I, I didn't see Ro- many women up there. By I, I, the way. Yeah, not a lot. No, I won uh one yard. Won the Rolex Cup. They have a Rolex. They give out a Rolex Cup every wow. every year, but for each run group. But it couldn't have been less climactic because. <laughs> There I wasn't champagne dumped over your head. No, and, I did a, I did the race. So here's what happened. There's there's two parts of getting a trophy that are good, and I think I lost out on both parts. The one part is when they hand it to you, like when people are clapping and flash bulbs right. going off everywhere and the paper spinning around. Corolla wins Rolex Cup, you know, that kind of stuff. Lusitania sinks and Corolla wins Rolex Cup. So th- that's one good part, and then the other good part is later on when people see it, like mm-hmm. uh, in the trophy case, and go, hey, look at yeah. that. What is that, a <laughs> Rolex Cup? Hey. Those are the two good parts. I, I was had did not benefit from either one on the positive end of either one of those two parts because I did the race uh, 2011. I did win the Rolex Cup. I did the race. My run group was like, like three in the afternoon, and I was doing like morning radio monday morning mm-hmm. and so i got a five-hour drive ahead of me so as soon as i get out of the car drink a beer get out of the fire suit and bam <laughs> right on the road and so at like five thirty, i get a call from like one of the guys who's still at the track and he's like hey where are you well, And i'm like i'm on halfway you know i'm in salinas or baker or whatever i'm heading home you know and and they're like uh passing the anderson split pea soup guy and they're like Oh, you just won the Rolex Cup. And I'm like, All right. And they're like, I'll I'll take it back with me and I'll give it to you. I said, Okay, thanks. So you take it. So this guy named Les took it. And then so I got nothing out of the initial mm-hmm. receiving of the Rolex Cup. And then later on, if anyone ever sees the cup or asks about it or wants to know, like they'll go, What do you do with that vintage racing? Like like you, or how's it work? Right, and I said, right. I won the Rolex Cup one year and they go. <laughs> oh, does that come with a watch? And I go, no. And they go, mm, sorry, man. That's got to sting. And yeah, I'm like, no, nah, I got a Rolex cop, And they, yeah, but no watch. Yeah, and no then they watch. leave. That's right. <laughs> so
1: it that, feels bad. Yeah, that's what it's all about, is that Daytona. Everyone
0: like, wants to know about getting a free watch. Well, it's, it's- Vic
1: Elford's Daytona. You know, Seinfeld just bought, well, he didn't, no, he did just buy Vic Elford's Daytona that he got for winning the, the 24 Hours of Daytona back in the day in, a, in a I think, a 907 Longtail. I think that was the car. Right. And uh, that's a very valuable old Rolex.
0: That must. When did he buy it? Um, maybe about
1: a year ago. So that must have been. Now he. By the way, he was chasing it on the way up. I hope he doesn't mind me telling the story. When he bought the car, he was offered the watch, and he said, "No, I don't want the watch." And I said, right. "You got to get the watch." And he, what did they want for the watch? He was like, "It's ten grand." I'm like, "Trust me, that is a Daytona that you want." Right. So it's a 1968 Daytona. It's one of the first series, black dial, white sure. subdials. It, if you, even if you don't know about watches, the provenance of that watch, that it was handed to that guy. And there's a picture, if you Google Vic Elford Rolex Daytona watch, there's a picture of him, black and white, holding the watch like this with a smile. Right. So you can see the auction. I never got to
0: experience that. You can see I that in I was driving the home. I was at Anderson Split Pea Soup. I never had that Vic Elford moment. He there ch- it is. There yeah. it is. Look
1: at the picture. Right. There it is. So I, you know, I collect old watches, and I said, look. This is the shit when it comes to Daytona. You want this watch.
0: Sure. I don't I I don't like Rolex. How long ago was that?
1: This is maybe four or five years ago. Right. So he, he is offered it again a few years later. Now they want fifty thousand. What do you think? And I see you gotta buy it and goes, eh, I'm not sure. Right. I, I think last year he calls up and he goes, I'm thinking about that watch again and I'm like, why not you he goes, What do they want for it? They want a hundred and fifty thousand, it's going. It's ticking. You see how it's ticking up? Oh my God. It's ticking up. And I said just grab it. Because I think that watch is probably going to be worth one or two million dollars by the time this thing hits auction. When you die and your wife puts all this stuff up,
0: sure. When she kills you and puts this stuff up for auction.
1: Paul New- you know, Paul Newman's Rolex Daytona is going for sale. Uh, it's up for sale in October or November. and November, yeah. and they're saying that watch is. I thought that watch might be selling for five or six million, but I've heard recently some guys who are willing to go as high as
0: eleven on that watch. Well, they say, because I, I, I'm not a big watch guy. But how this was How could Paul, I be? I don't get one when I win a cup. I'm, how else does <laughs> one you, get a watch? I'm going to get you There's other that. modalities for getting watches? Yeah. Of oh, course. You okay. just go buy one.
1: Okay. See, I. <laughs> Inscribe it to yourself and put it on your wrist. Drive safely. Me. Well, you know, the Paul Newman watch was a gift from his wife. She, You, you must know, you, you're the big Paul Newman guy, right? That's why I just said, drive
0: safely, me, because <laughs> right, that's what that's it a, says on the back of now, the watch. Now,
1: you're the guy to ask about this. I've heard there's more than one watch. The legend is he only had one of these things, but, but I've heard tell, tell of four of these. Do you know anything about that?
0: I will tell you what I know. Um, the This is supposed to be the big watch that's coming to auction, I think, in New York. I, I end of October, maybe October 26 is the date that pops out into my head. Um, This apparently, he wore this watch from like 69 to like 84 or 85 or something, somewhere in that range. Um, Evidently, he was pretty fanatical about his watch and keeping time, and he used to, I was told, because I talked to the auction guys, I was told he'd do a thing where he'd get his buddies. This is back before uh, they had U-Porn, and they'd say, here, you know, they'd listen to the radio, and they'd go, at the tone, <laughs> the time will be 12 p.m. Bing! They used to do that on the radio, and he'd show it on the Rolex, and they'd go, all right, when it comes around again, we'll go hear it and see whoever's, mm-hmm. like, the closest, and his would be <laughs> the closest. I don't know. Again, no U-Porn, mm-hmm. no smartphones. We had to mm-hmm. make our own fun back then. So he was very fanatical about his watch. Uh, Joanne inscribed you know wrote i think drive safely me mm-hmm. on the back of it and he wore it for uh, a number of years and through going through le mans everywhere else and then was uh had his uh, daughter's boyfriend spent like the summer helping him rebuild like their lake house or something and at a certain point he just said to the college age lad uh what time is it? And the guy said, I don't know. I don't have a watch. And he said, well, now you do. And he sort of took his watch That's off right. and handed it to him. Probably, I don't <clears throat> know, it was payment for helping him build the boathouse or mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. And then that guy just wore it every day <laughs> as, a, as his watch for yep. years and years and years until they found out what it could be worth. Mm-hmm. And now it's coming up for sale. Now, I found out that the most expensive watch ever sold Sold for like $11.2 million or something like that. And the thing that was interesting about that watch is it was stainless steel. It wasn't gold. Like I was picturing something that was very ornate and Mm -hmm. 500 years old and this and that. It was just a. they made a run of watches like in the 40s -hmm. and they made 250 watches and most every one was gold. And they made like four in stainless, right? And that's the one that sold for eleven million. <clears throat> is this bucks. a Rolex? Was it a Rolex? Not a Rolex. A, P- a Patek Philippe. Something I haven't heard of, <laughs> which is everything.
1: <laughs> right, right. So, well, it's all it's all about provenance. It's about provenance. that. Yeah, it's right. about you know, it's Steve McQueen's overalls right. that sold for a million dollars. So,
0: so now they got this watch, and they said, "Well, we think it'll fetch a million dollars," but everyone seems to think it's more like. 8 million dollars. Yeah. F- 5 or 11 yeah. or something. They think it might break the record. I don't know.
1: I think it's definitely going to break the record. The you guy do. the guy I was talking to is uh, is a Silicon Valley guy who's telling me about some deep pockets who were interested in it. And that's well, all I will say, but Good uh, for Jerry, right? <laughs> I mean, if the thing goes for 11 million bucks and it's a oh, Daytona. I make, him, I make him so much money. Oh my god. Do I you know imagine. so so this watch this watch got delivered um, no, he bought it, right? He, yeah. I go, you got to talk him down. He goes, I don't like to, to, to work with it. I don't like... I go, look, just offer him 125 and say you should have got the watch when you bought the car and you'll get it. So he, he gets it. And and I talk to him maybe a month later. I'm like, what's the watch like? He goes, I don't have it yet. And I go, well, what do you mean you don't have it? He goes, there's a problem with customs. I'm like... Customs. I go, Jerry, I just, I just had a watch repaired in Europe, and it was sent in three days. Right. He, or it he got here from Japan. Right. And um, it turned out whoever was working for him uh, uh, saw that it had an oyster bracelet. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jerry was like, he said, it's tied up with fish and game. Wow. And I said, What do you mean? He goes, Well the oyster the oyster bracelet, fish and game, I don't know. I gotta talk to the assistant. The assistant thought that the watch was really made of oysters <laughs> and was trying to get it cleared through fish and game. Wow. And was it's not surprisingly it was stuck there going, What are we dealing with? How do we get the paperwork for that? Anyways, when the watch arrived, he was very upset. The uh- he called he called me and he said, I, I am looking at this, the condition of this thing, it's a mess. It's right. an absolute. I can't believe you talked me into buying this. He was genuinely upset. Sure. And and, and I said, "You're acting. You're acting like a, a, a. You're acting like a woman right now, Jerry." Sure. You're you're upset that I am about to make you five or six million dollars
0: in the future. In the future, yeah. <laughs> in the future, For sure. And
1: we sent it to Ben Clymer at Hodinky. And he, he knew... I mean, it, everybody knows the watch. Right. And he did a sympathetic little restoration fix-up. And then when, when Seinfeld got it, he was blown away. And now, finally, he's wearing it.
0: Okay. So well, there we you know go. There's roll. our
1: little watch journey here.
0: Um. To, Are to, you
1: going to bid on that watch? Is that why you were no, looking
0: into it? No, no. I don't, I don't have that kind of money. And I'm not <laughs> a watch guy. I'm more of a car guy. But uh, they did... They well, The reason I know about it is because they were trying to get my car out there, the 935, to kind of display with the watch to kind oh, of... Oh, right, uh, right. You know, you can picture the watch or picture Newman wearing the watch at Le Mans, then mm-hmm. the car, and then mm-hmm. the car sitting there with some ropes around it. That's and pretty that great. Might, that'd be a good photo op, you yeah. know. Did they bring it out? They didn't. I didn't see it up there. Oh, well, it's not... I mean, the auction's not for another couple months. I know. I well, why couldn't they have brought the watch out? Oh, no, the the watch... As far as I know, and boy, this is the most I've ever talked about a watch. But I, it is kind of interesting. The <laughs> it's watch, the watch by is the way. making not a watch. Yeah, the watch is is making a tour. I think it's coming out to like it's coming to L.A. and Tokyo and stuff like. That. The watch is <laughs> on tour, and at some point, we'll probably have the watch and the guys or something in on CarCast or something like that. But at some point, some days before the auction. My car may be trucked out to New wow. York and displayed for that weekend oh, or whatever with, so cool. with the watch. I actually did something which I was trying to I I said, What weekend is it? And then I, I was told, I think, like I said, October 26th. And then I said, Are there any vintage events at like Lime Rock or anything like East Coasty there that we could do since the car is going to be there? And the answer was no, but I, I I was fancying the idea of taking that car to Paul's home track of, yeah. of Lime Rock. Uh-huh. I can show you a lap of Laguna Seca, I mean, in, in the race from that car, if you want to know kind of what what people are doing out there. Yeah, I that would be great. Matt, I would love to Matt see that. Matt might be able to find it or pull it up or do <laughs> something with it. I don't know. Well, uh,
1: you know, when, when it comes
0: to hold racing... Hold on, Matt's, Matt. Engineer Matt, sorry. I just wanted to uh, double check. Are you talking about the practice lap or the one that was in the race? I know Chris just the in the. oh, well, just the. Uh, I'll show you the practice lap. You'll okay. laugh. You'll laugh during practice because if you want to know, like, are guys going fast? Aren't guys going fast? In practice, I was not going fast. <laughs> I was trying to get comfortable in the car and of used course, to the car. That's really smart. But the group that I run in is a fast-run group. So Mm -hmm. if you choose, you know, if you go out to Monterey, there are probably 13 run groups, right? And if you want to choose the, you know, 1961 to 1966 under-two-liter sports cars or whatever, then you'll be out there with a lot of, like, bug-eyed Sprites and MGs and Triumphs and maybe a Datsun 2000 Roadster or something like that with fairly thin tires and making somewhere around... 180 horsepower to 205 or something but if you want to go with the group at the decon monzas and the corvettes with the big blocks and the 935s now you have a different breed of cat you Mm -hmm. have dudes that have 760 horsepower and 14 inch wide slicks and those guys aren't going slow because they wouldn't go (laughs) who would want to be Who'd be attracted to that group if you didn't want to go fast, but, doesn't it terrify you to be out there? That's what I wanted to get into. I
1: mean, you are you and I are around the same age. I have no desire to go fast on a track with people who might
0: be ha- having something to prove I,
1: I in I, an old car I'll, where I'll I might you, get jammed. I'll show
0: you a funny little 30-second montage okay, here of we go. how fast people pass me when I'm warming up. It's just a warm-up oh, line. Look at the vibration. The there energy. goes the Sachs 935. Right. I just point at people. And tell me, go this way, like, now that vet passed me like ninety miles an hour. I like now look this. how fast that's a decon Monza. That's yeah. another decon Monza, and here comes the vet. Right. So <laughs> those guys aren't driving slowly. I'm driving slowly. I respect slowly. that. I like that. See, I like that. I but, like. But when the race starts, I'm not driving slowly. Do you lose your mind? No. You I don't know, have any problems with it. You, you don't.
1: Have you crashed?
0: Uh, a little bit, yeah. The uh, Coronado one. Did year. you
1: hurt your head, your eyeballs, or anything? Or? No, no. It was all good.
0: I I feel like um, in a cage, although the 935 is much less cagey than the Newman uh, Nissan mm-hmm. Turbo cars because that's just a full blown tube frame cage built car. Um, but I'm, you know, Hans device strapped in, six way harness, feeling pretty. Good about myself, and haven't <laughs> haven't had any major haven't had any major issues. How does the wife feel about this? I don't know. I don't. She <laughs> I, I, doesn't really. I don't really talk about it that much. Like, I don't know what her opinion is uh, uh, on it. Um, I. I. She. The only. The only. Lynette's only. Con, her, the only time she's ever voiced a uh, concern slash anger is she doesn't like it when I speak in terms of hurting the car. Like, I speak a lot <laughs> in terms of hurting... I don't want to hurt the car. I don't mm-hmm. want to hurt the car. I don't want to embarrass myself and wreck the car right, and stuff right. like that. And then the only time she's ever chimed in is she went, what about you? I wish you'd talk about exactly." And, and, then yes. I, and then I go, yeah, but if I hurt the car... <laughs> if I don't hurt the car, then I can't get hurt. So I'm just doing a math. Right, there and you that's go. That's kind of a low self-esteem math. I'll show you a lap. I'll show you what the what the race looks like. They pull you out. Where can we see this stuff? You this can on? go to carcast.com or YouTube or... So this is on your website, carcastshow.com. Carcast carcastshow.com. There's some okay, RSRs. There's some yeah. M1 Pro cars out there. That you do a parade lap. Your steering wheel looks really tiny. Everyone oh, says giant, that.
1: What's going on? That's a little Oh, you got to the people, wrong...
0: Right? Oh, hold on. This is Chris's horrible first cut. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I'm glad you saw that, so you know how bad that, how nonsensical and bad your first cut was. There you go. Anyway, yeah, we'll- I told him to fix it, but I'll I can walk you through it, and you can see what it what it's like. Well, you got to throw that one away, Chris. You can't have that out circulating.
1: Let's uh, let's take a break. Oh, take a break,
0: and we'll come back. I want to talk to you just
1: about the beginnings of your car thing. We'll be right back with Spike's Car Radio. In order to feel comfortable that you're getting a fair price, you need pricing context information that empowers you to feel confident. With True Car, you'll see what other people in your local market paid for the car you want. From there, you can connect with a local True Car certified dealer and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the car you want. Now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident. Once you register, you'll see real pricing on actual inventory. This is competitive pricing offered to you only by a TrueCar certified dealer for an actual vehicle on their lot. It's pricing you'll see before going to a dealership, so you can feel confident when you show up. With TrueCar, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing, so you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. TrueCar customers are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with TrueCar certified dealers. TrueCar users save an average of 3000 off MSRP. Wow, that is a lot of dough. And when you're ready to buy, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states, and I'm not going to tell you which features or which states. <laughs>
0: One.com. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio.
1: All right, we're back with Adam Carolla on Spikes Car Radio. Adam, I wanted to get to know you from from the beginning. I, w- I was just uh, up in Monterey, and I did a car chat with Jerry Seinfeld. I took him back to his childhood, to mm-hmm. the first moments where he was looking at vehicles, and what was it that really stood out? That moment where you kind of were attracted to a vehicle. Do you remember what that was?
0: You mean like real childhood stuff, yeah, like, like five, your, six years yeah, old? Yeah, your earliest um, kind I, of car my, memory. My earliest kind of car memory was living in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, I think we are out there until I was like five or six, going to like the Cherry Hill Mall and seeing a die-cast model of a yellow Ferrari uh, Dino. A Dino oh, yeah. Ferrari. And I thought, and I still do, I think those cars are some of the best-shaped cars ever. You know, mm-hmm. they're pretty gutless, and they're not much in the performance department but in terms of the way the door blended into the scoop that fed the rear rear engine or mm-hmm. mid engine and just you just picture the door and that intake along the door and just how that car's the general, rear glass that yeah, pulls the general you know shape I owned a yellow dino that was the first ferrari i ever bought
1: Oh really? Yeah, I, I, think, I had that. Car. I think
0: it's. I th- I think it's. Did I say gutless? That thing. <laughs> that that thing will snap your neck. you put your right no foot in. No, but it's, I know. It's, but it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful hysteria. shape. It's, yeah, a beautiful it's a beautiful shape. State. The interior's beautiful. The mm-hmm. seats are beautiful. Like it's. A, it's a great, asc- aesthetic, sort of spot-on 1969, 70, 71, just right in that era, and it's it's beautifully shaped. The front end is beautifully shaped. Like it's a great. It's a great shape. So, and were you the
1: only one in your family that liked cars, or did yes. you, you, not your dad or anybody no. else? No, not at all. It was just that, and of Zero. course, there was no Ferraris around. No. no, no. So, so where does it go? You see this car, and then do you are you making plans in the future, or you know, at what point it, it, it does this car thing turn on? Where does it go from that moment? Um, it
0: goes like Tommy Lee. Except for minus the story where their parents bought him his first drum kit when he was seven. It would be Tommy Lee if his parents never bought him a drum kit and he never had access to a drum kit and didn't know anyone who owned a set of drums. (laughs) So I just found myself like walking around doing this all the time. That's right. Yeah. But I never had any drums. Oh, and if Tommy Lee never had any money to buy himself a drum kit until he was 31. Uh So that was, that's kind of, so So it's car magazines, posters, dreaming essentially. You know it was weird. I never even really had any posters and I couldn't read very well. So it wasn't really so much even car magazines. I just kind of lusted after cars, but right, I but right. I, but it was all things mechanical. I wanted tools, I wanted to turn, I wanted to make things. I want, I loved looking at race cars. And and I and, and we lived in apartments with no garages and my dad had no tools and you know we had the we had the drawer in the kitchen with like the one universal wrench and the butter knife that we use for a flathead screwdriver. <laughs> I had that drawer, and it was that's like an amazing the stupid, There was a flashlight in it with one battery, <laughs> right. and it was like just that stupid drawer. Uh huh. And then always one thing that didn't belong. Like, what's this packet of Taco Bell hot sauce <laughs> doing in with the tools? I don't know. It's, that's the drawer. I loved that drawer growing up. That was a great drawer. That drawer, yeah, yeah. the
1: kitchen drawer. Uh, so, so where is your first car? Is it? You know, were you the kid, the type of kid? Like, for me, ride on lawnmowers were available to me when I was nine or 10. Like, that's what I lusted after. And then yeah. I begged my dad to let me drive the family car. And then I, I you know, my dad bought me my first car, but it was a, a Torino 500 from uh, 1971. Wow. That he bought for $383 or something that I shared with my brother. What was your first car?
0: Uh, so, the, no, there was no car culture or car or anything in my family. And there was no money, so I just kind of lumped it all the way through high school and just walked to high school and stuff like that. And then at a certain point, I bought a motorcycle, a Honda 404, and I, I drove that mm-hmm. around for a while. And then at a certain point, I got a, a Junker Z car, uh, 240Z, so I liked the Zs. I like the Datsuns. But then the problem was I quickly got into construction or basically just being kind of like a labor on a mm-hmm. construction site. And so what happened was my boss, I was making I think 7 dollars an hour and my boss said if my foreman said if you buy a truck I'll give you another dollar an hour. And I remember just thinking, that sounds like a pretty sweet deal. <laughs> so I bought a very used Mazda, like 79 Mazda, like a long bed pickup uh-huh. truck with like the seat, the bench seat was taken <laughs> Why out. Why is
1: he giving you more money to buy a truck just because it looks right or because you can haul
0: stuff? Or I think I, I, I would pull up on my motorcycle and I was no good to him to I go see. on like a plywood run or mm-hmm. something. But if I got a truck... He could dispatch me to pick up two-by-fours <laughs> or whatever else. You're losing money on that deal, though. You know that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what he was thinking, but I was thinking I needed a truck anyway. Right. Look, this, is, this is all roads were kind of leading to Adam needs a truck. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew I needed one to kind of do side jobs on the weekends and work for myself and stuff. So I ended up getting a mini truck. And it was a clunker mini truck. And then... What is the what's a mini truck? Explain to me what uh, that is. Like well, a- it's it's any Japanese truck produced before, like, 1993. <laughs> you like, don't remember what it Japanese was? Any Japanese truck. Uh, it was a Mazda. It was a Mazda. A Mazda truck. It was a Mazda truck. And then I got a Datsun truck. Mm-hmm. And then I got an... What became a Nissan truck in 84. And this is miniature little pickup trucks. Right. Like when you see a Tundra or something now or something Toyota's making or Nissan's making, they're big. Right. When you look at the ones from 79, 80, 81, they're mini and, pickup trucks. But why trucks. were you picking all these Japanese brands? I, uh, I had no money. Gas was kind of expensive, mm-hmm. like in terms of how much money I made versus mileage. Like it was a kind of an issue. And I quickly figured out that the little four-banger Nissan was pretty bulletproof. It sipped gas. I I could work on it. And economically, it was going to work out for me a lot better to get Mm -hmm. the little mini pickup truck than it would to drive the Ford (laughs) F-250. So -hmm. I just got the little mini pickup trucks, and I drove around mini pickup trucks. But I was not happy about it because I was a car guy mm-hmm. and I wanted a sports car, but I couldn't drive a regular car because of my job. I needed a truck and yeah, so yeah. I was, you know, forced of sort of chain to this pickup truck and it sucked.
1: So where where does it go from there? Like what's the moment you realize you're gonna start collecting cars?
0: Uh, it, at some point I get like a Datsun 2000 Roadster as a sort of a second car that I can wrench around on, but I didn't have like insurance on it cause I couldn't afford insurance and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then at a certain point I kind of just gave it up. I was just like, Oh, forget it. Drive your pickup mm-hmm. truck, do your, do your carpentry. And like, you know, if you make some money, make some money. And at that mm-hmm. point I could find, I found myself like looking at, Car magazines and seeing the first E thirty six BMW M three and stuff like that, just staring at it, going, mm-hmm. "God, that's nice." And then you'd open it, it'd be like base price thirty seven thousand dollars. I'd be like, "I wow, <laughs> no!" Like my max would be like thirty one hundred dollars, like for used and mm-hmm. something. And I was driving around like an a Zuzu Trooper and stuff like that. And then I finally got into sort of show business. And I bought a Nissan Maxima from a dealer that was like a year and a half old. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was a new car. That was what like my show, first what new show. What show is
1: financing this car thing? The Man Show?
0: Uh, no, I was doing <laughs> Loveline at that point on the radio and maybe on TV. I can't remember if I was doing it. Yeah, it was probably on MTV. I was doing Loveline. This oh, is yeah, pre. With Diane
1: pre- Farr. Yeah, this is, pre- man, this is pre-man.
0: This is pre show, and then at a certain point, I kind of remember I pulled up to the Playboy Mansion for some sort of <laughs> love line, you know, pre-party or whatever. Right? And yeah. I remember very clearly, like one of the producers going, "What are you driving a Maxima for?" And I was like, "What are you, kid- <laughs> are you kidding me? That car's got leather uh-huh. interior. It's it's almost new. Right? Like I was like, it's almost a <clears throat> new car. and It's got leather." And he's like, "You have a BMW or a <laughs> Porsche or something." i was like. Uh, this car's almost new. Like, it's like, I couldn't go you to know, the fact I wasn't even driving a pickup truck yeah, that right. was 20 years old. So, so what is
1: that first collector car you buy? I <clears throat> bought... You know, because I th- I have this belief that the collection kind of sneaks up on you, that no one really makes a decision to collect cars. Yes. They buy that first beautiful thing that they've been lusting after for many five or six years, and then well, maybe I I'll agree. get another
0: one. Maybe I'll get an old version. So what, no, I what, agree. what's that I, car for you? I got you? an E30 BMW M3. Mm-hmm. I loved that first M3. I thought it was very European-looking. I thought it was very cool-looking. Do you still have it? No. It wasn't that... And by the way, when I bought it, the car was probably in an 89, and I probably bought it in <laughs> 96 or something. <laughs> right, so it wasn't right. really even an old car mm-hmm. back back then, as I think about it. It felt, at the time, like kind of a cool old vintage car or something, but it was just like seven years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was kind of the first one. And then I... Sort of, I wasn't really collecting. I was just buying stuff I thought was interesting or cool. Mm -hmm. And and that's when I came across the Bob Sharp 610 Datsun vintage race car. And I got that. And then, sort of, once I got going down the road on the Datsun vintage race cars, I started just collecting more old Datsun and Nissan cars. And where were you putting these things? Because now you're into a garage
1: space issue. <laughs> where
0: yeah, I had, a- yeah, I had a, a, a house. I had two houses. I had the party house in Sherman Oaks, mm-hmm. and then I had the house I lived in up in the hills, which didn't really have any space. So I started doing that. I had a big garage down right. the party house. I could hold like four or five cars. And then at a certain point, I got this place, this warehouse we're in, and I started putting them here. And then I got another warehouse down the street, and I started putting them over there, and that's probably where we are now. <laughs> and <laughs> I and I ended up. How big up... is your collection? Do you do you talk about it? Oh yeah, I do. I, I don't. I don't
1: know and, and because I know you collect Lamborghini. You had some Lamborghinis in there. You've got the. I think the only Porsche you own is this 935 Newman car, right? Yeah. What What else? Uh, what else do you have? Um, and where is it going? What do you like?
0: What are you aiming for? Um, I have uh, mostly Newman race cars. Mm -hmm. um, What are from uh, Trans Am period in the mid-80s, tube frame cars, um, Oldsmobiles, Cutlasses that he ran, uh, Nissan 300ZXs that he ran, all all tube frame um, turbo cars with the with the Nissans, V6s, uh, V8s with the Oldsmobile, and and naturally aspirated. And um, I'm rebuilding some of his... I rebuilt his GT1 championship car from 85. I'm rebuilding his GT1 championship car from 86 right now. And uh, kind of mostly steering toward Newman Mm -hmm. right now in terms of the collection. I have... A Lamborghini Miura SV, which I, I like very much. Is that the blue car? That's that a car blue car. Is so gorgeous. It is a gorgeous. I think. It's Do you a, drive it? No. I think it's <laughs> one of the most. Can I
1: drive it? <laughs> yes. Now, why wouldn't you be taking that to and from work at least a couple days a week?
0: Why are not you driving it? I have this weird uh, relationship with uh, reality, <laughs> which, which is, okay. if you said to me, "Why don't you take your?" Expensive Lamborghini on a Sunday. Why don't you just take yeah. it out to Cars and Coffee and yeah. Irvine or mm-hmm. something, or why not just take it up Angeles Crest Highway, put your kid in there, give him or a thrill take or it to whatever. The grocery store. Or, or take it to the grocery buy store, or buy some popcorn, whatever. If you said that to me, I would say. Ah, it's so nice. And, you know, people, they open their car doors, they fling them open. It's going to get a ding. And I don't, and by the way, and I don't want you've the You've got atten- a garage here. I don't want the you're, attention. I don't want people looking at me. The
1: ultimate, you're the ultimate car guy. You're one of those guys where you can, if anything happens to it, you pull it into one of your bays with your guys and say, take care of that.
0: And they fix so it. So here's the juxtaposition of, of being me. So I would go. I don't want the attention. Yes. I don't want the hassle. I don't want people looking at me. Right. I don't want to deal with it. I just don't want to deal with it. All right. So that's what I'd say. So it sits. So so the car shall sit driverless for but months you're and missing, years on end. You're,
1: you're missing out on
0: so much. Like right.
1: there, there are lots of little errands you can run in your vintage cars that you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. I, I
0: completely agree, but I never do, and I, sh- I probably won't. But I, then, drive,
1: I take my old race car from uh, 1968, and if my kids do a good job on, on the last uh, two days of school, I drive them each to school in the race car. And See, they and they you're love you're that. so much better than And I there's am. a drop-off line. You just they open the door, they get out. The lady goes, "What's?" She's about to say, uh, right, "What's what, this?" You just right. drive off. <laughs> you just leave. I, I they should. And the, and the kids and I feel good. I feel like I'm using this thing. Uh, you're right,
0: and I don't. <laughs> but then people say to me. Uh, what are you going to do with that 935? And I go, I'm going to go race it. Yeah. And they go, No, it's great. They go, It's a $5 million car. And I go, So be it. And they go, But what if you get in an accident? And I go, I don't know. We'll fix it. You'll fix and it. And they Re- go, exactly. I don't know. Are, wouldn't you be uncomfortable racing that car? And I go, No, nope. nope. And they go, How are you going to drive it? and I go just drive it like I drive all the race cars <laughs> right. and they'd go well wow, that's weird
1: so so that's the same thing for the street cars that's the exact right thinking for all of it you're
0: right and i only apply it to the the track i don't I don't. I'll show you a lap. You want to see a lap in that car? No, I want. I want to see it. <laughs> I have to see it. You have to see it because people don't get what those races are like. They think see, you're look, doing parade laps or something. I don't think that at all. I, I know. Think other. I think some of your listeners think that's what goes
1: on in no, those on no. those races. Yeah, maybe. But I know what you're up to. It's an amazing car that you bought. It's a scary car, and that you're out there racing it. I have the ultimate respect for you. Well, you're I would like to see now, one lap. But uh, by the way, I'd like to you now. To put a license plate on that nine thirty-five, can't go, do it. But. Go to the Ralphs and buy some uh, chicken. Yes. All right, here we go. We're watching TV on a podcast.
0: That's one lap. <laughs> <laughs> you, and your your audience will love the, they the, love the sound. Yes. They'll love the sound. All
1: right, you tell us what's happening here. You're, you you know, come the around and you look, the for
0: the, you look for the green flag.
1: Now, is that turn, that when you come around in that straightaway, every time I watch a race here, it looks like everybody's sliding almost off it the track can. right there. Well, what is it. that?
0: Is the car and off balance? Tires are cold
1: wait no every lap even throughout the whole race because they get on it because they get on on it
0: coming out of that corner Uh, coming out of the hair the hairpin there's an rsr for you there's two rsrs yeah there's a bunch of rsrs and a bunch of 935s in this in this race turn it up man this is my favorite i love this sound oh yeah there's the turbo noise well you'll see when we Yeah, they're fast. Wow. They're naturally aspirated, but they're they're fast. They're what, you, really what you what's in your head?
1: What's going on in your head right now? Are you getting down to yourself because you missed a shift? Are you just having fun? No, Are you I didn't even I didn't feel stressed? it.
0: I just my hand just corrected it sort of automatically. I'm sort of like I never drove this car before, so I don't wow. really know what the the shift pattern. Like I'm not used. I'm used to driving a car with a different shift pattern. Uh-huh. So Look, there it is. It looks like it shifts wonderful here. This the corner you everyone slides out of a little though yeah. no one really slid out of that one. I've never been on this track, but what
1: worries me is that uh, that elevation change, the little twisty turn toward the backside. Oh, that's back the side. easiest. That's the that's easiest easy. part.
0: Why is that easy? Uh, you know, I, I can tell you, I've never had a problem with mm-hmm. that cor- with the corkscrew. Wow, never an issue. You're a real man. Some people do. I, I can't I, believe it. It's not. I've, it's one of these things. <laughs> no, for me, it's like. Uh, you know, I talk to some people, and they go, oh, I'm freaked out by spiders. And then other people go, I don't care about spiders. I will <laughs> crawl my hand. And you go, but that's just a weird wiring. Like, yeah. I don't care about the corkscrew. I've never Did you go I never to racing have. school? Did Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, you, you did. Where did you go?
1: Skip Barber or
0: Jim Hall? Kart racing? What was your bondurant? I did this uh, fast lane or something out at Willow Springs mm-hmm. whenever they did the Toyota Grand Prix. And I, mm-hmm. But those are just... Those are like Scions with a cone air filter right. on them. But is like, that where your racing thing started, the Toyota Grand Prix, the Celebrity Race? Yeah, I think once you got some training and got kind of used to it again, but a car with, like, power windows and a stereo. <laughs> and It's like, a rental car. Yeah, essentially, essentially a, rental racing car, rental a rental car race. But right. you got the feel <laughs> of it. The vintage cars are much more visceral and mm-hmm. difficult, sort of hard to There's not a lot of creature comforts and stuff like that. But... To answer the question to everyone who was like, a lot of like, what's going on? Oh, the 935. Oh, the 935. What a car. My Nissan turbo cars are faster than the 935 is. Now, maybe somebody needs to learn how to drive the 935 (laughs) like me, but the Nissan turbo car is from 1987. No, 1988. So it's, you know, almost 10 years newer. It's a full tube frame car, full bespoke race car with. 650 horsepower turbo Nissan and mm-hmm. like that call that car hauls ass. Wow. So it's not like everyone keeps does this math where it's like, "Oh, you got out of your Datsun and into a real car." <laughs> and it's like, "No, the real cars real cars fast." Mm-hmm. So I Is was this the only racing you do during
1: it. the year? Or are you going to do, you know, are you involved in any of the racing series and different any of the cars? I,
0: I did a professional Trans Am race at at Willow Springs in a C7R. Corvette, Mm -hmm. and I did that about in, like, March, and that was my first, like, professional series, or my first professional race, and it was kind of dumb, because it was that 850 horsepower car, like, it was a crazy Can-Am... Trans Am 1. They have 1, 2, and 3. Uh-huh. I should have been in 3, but I was in 1 for some reason. And because you're Adam Corolla, I guess so. And it, it went well. So I, I took that, and now the end of the series is at Coda in, like, November or something. And I'm trying to get back in the Trans Am for that race. Unbelievable.
1: I don't, I don't know how you do this. Are, are you I don't thinking? prepare.
0: I just do it. <laughs> you just get out and lap the track.
1: Nothing, yeah, are, you, are you thinking about Le Mans or anything like that? Or I, racing a, a big series? Is there anything you dream of racing? Any track?
0: I, I don't have. I'm. I. You know. I don't have a lot of aspirations for some reason. But I do end up in cars on tracks a lot. For <laughs> a guy, who doesn't think about it that much. Because uh, what happens is... And is you're
1: getting, but see, this is where I can't figure out why you won't do this on the street. You're getting so much attention on the racetrack. You're being put in a different class. You're, I'm guessing people take your picture in the paddock. Oh, no, it's know, crazy. Take, it's crazy, car, right?
0: That car, the the beginning of that video has me sitting in the car and a huge crowd of people right, around right. the front of the car yeah. taking pictures and because they love the car. That will
1: not happen... Driving around L.A. in your vintage Miura. It won't. I know. I agree. By the way, I agree with you about not going to cars and coffee. There's nothing I hate more, really, than a car show. (laughs) I don't like standing around with a bunch of guys with their hands behind their back and talking. I, I can hang for about 40 minutes, and then I have to get the hell out of there. Right. For me, it's all about driving. It's about getting in these old cars and doing stuff in them. Yeah, I. And, I and the attention, agree. And who cares about these? It, 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 you don't i, I got to say. But I, you could put a license plate on that 935 and you would make
0: my life if I saw you go into. I the couldn't. Tent. The problem, God's honest, is I can't get out of my warehouse <laughs> when that car, and most all the cars I own, because they're a quarter inch off the ground. The front right. of that car is a quarter inch off the ground and yeah. you can't drive it off the driveway That's and onto true. the street. You can like, adjust that, though. No, the clearance, <laughs> the clearance on these cars is so minuscule that yeah. you can't get it. You could trailer it onto the street. Okay, well the Miura, you can. The Miura, you could do it.
1: You could do it, but you also sometimes, unless you have that car sorted and it's right and it works a lot, you need a guy driving behind you, yeah. <laughs> taking care of stuff. I, I think
0: uh, you need a guy, a AAA guy, <laughs> driving behind you in a tow truck. I think one of the one of the things that happened to me. Is I used to do a lot more, hey, I'm going on a run kind of thing in my sports car. And then once I got into vintage racing and or just sort of racing, I just sort of went like, well, oh, it, it's not exciting unless I can get strapped in and get mm-hmm. other guys out there. And I'm, I'm like looking over my shoulder for cops as a cop <laughs> around like, like you know, there's so many cops. And I was right? like, this that kind of thing that I just I, I got like it's like. I started slamming heroin, heroin, and then someone's like, "Hey, you want a half a Vicodin?" And I'm like, "Nah." And they're like, oh, you don't do drugs? Oh, no, I do drugs. <laughs> do you have any heroin? Like, I got used to this one thing, thing, and then the other thing just kind of became like, eh, I don't even, my daily driver, like, people are like, why don't you get something nice? Like, something really nice. Well, I'm what like, do you daily drive? I got a Jag, which is nice. The F-Pace? But a guy, I had the F-Pace, and I went to another Jag. I don't even know what it is. But I, I had a guy say to me last <laughs> night, last night, he was looking at me in my Jag. He was, like, walking me out to the driveway or something. And I, he, he put his head in and he went, hey, this is nice. And I said, yeah. And he, he knows I'm a car guy. And he said, is it fast? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Why don't you know? And I said, because I just go yeah. to work and turn around and come home again. Like, that's the thing. And that's then right. we'll go race. That's right. That's kind of That's a my, very my common race car
1: driver thing. You know, uh, I, I know a guy who races Ferraris who drives a Tesla. I said, what are you driving this for? He goes, I, I go fast on the track. It's hot in that car. I want something that's quiet and works and has AC. That's very common for you, race car I drivers. I think
0: maybe that's what's going on with me.
1: Well, Adam, thank you so much for coming on Spike's Car Radio. I truly uh, appreciate it. talking to you yet again.
0: We'll have to do it again. There's so much more to cover. I, uh,
1: I really want you to come out to Malibu next time. We'll take a drive. I, I would love to. <laughs> I feel like you could be my muse. <laughs> I, I know something about this drive thing, I that uh, and I think I have the road and the cars to do it and I think you're going to enjoy it. You're I will. relax. I shall. you calm down. Adam Kroll, everybody. We'll see you next week on Spike's Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com.